So I'm at piano lesson, and I'm bored out of my mind, and I'm just sitting here looking out the window like this. And the Lord goes, oh, look, a squirrel. And I'm going, great, a squirrel. I'm thrilled. He's like, you should watch the squirrel. So I'm going, I see the squirrel. Just, Jim, just watch the squirrel. So the squirrel's going up tree, up, down, up, down, up, down. And then he goes, who does that look like? Very funny. <laughs> it's so funny, right? Because I'm not amused, but very funny. So the squirrel is just frantic, running up and down, running up and down, running up and down. And then all of a sudden, the squirrel comes to this one branch, and then the branch coming back to the tree, to the branch, to the tree, to the branch. And then she comes back, and she stops, and she just jumps in midair. She just jumps. And you can just see her little body just flailing, right? And she throws herself over and slides down this branch and grabs hold of it, and then it goes straight up to the tree. And the Lord, he just doesn't miss a joke. He goes, you got to jump, baby. You got to jump. Sooner or later, you got to jump. Do you trust that I'm telling you to do something? You've got to jump. You can't make it nice and cozy. You're going to have to just throw yourself in it and jump. And I went, okay. So then I began to ask the Lord practical questions. What about this work? What about that work? What about what's already been invested? What are you going to do with this mess? Because we've got like a domino effect now of this decision that the Lord has done. And the Lord tells me this, um, reminds me of, do you know the story of bagged lettuce? Do you know the story of bagged lettuce, where it even came from? I think you and I talked about it one time. There was a lettuce harvest. Um, these people used to do, they used to have heads of lettuce and they used to do it to all these nurseries and places that they would sell it. And there was some kind of huge freeze and they had to gather all the lettuce at one time. And they didn't know what to do. And if they didn't move quickly, the lettuce was gonna rot within a couple of days. So they made up a, a very quick label, they washed it, they cut it, they put it in plastic bags, and they took it to all these area places. And it sold so fast, that's why you now have bagged lettuce, cut lettuce in the grocery store. Because something looked like an absolute tragedy, and God had different plans. So I'm listening to the story, I'm going, so God, what does that mean to me? And he's going, <clears throat> this is the phrase he gave me. <clears throat> you no longer, whew, you no longer have the option of putting limits on your life. You should probably write that down. You no longer have the option of putting limits on your life. Because God was showing me that I had boxes about how my life was supposed to go, and I would check them off if I thought I was doing well. And listen, I would quit and whine if it wasn't. And so the Lord is going, when God shows up, you no longer have the option of putting limits on your life. It's not the way you see. It's not the way you think it ought to go. It's not even the way I had planned, because I don't know about you. All the plans that I was doing, I had great counsel. I was following the wisdom of counsel. I was doing what I thought was the wisest thing to do. And the Lord's going, I still trump that. I still trump your plans. That's a word. God is saying, I still trump your plans. Because God's idea of good and your idea of good may not be the same thing. I trump your plans. So then I had this whole encounter with the Lord. It was a dream where, this is so dated. I don't even know if you ever remember this. Does anybody remember Indiana Jones movies? Yeah. <laughs> so I had this dream where the Lord says, I just see the word restore in my dream. 
And then I'm seeing restore, restore, restore everywhere. <clears throat> and the Lord says, I'm going to restore your soul. And I'm going, I don't even know what that means. He goes, I know. That's why you need it restored. Because you don't even know what that means. And so then I had this dream. Because um, I continued to ask the Lord, how are you going to do it? How are you going to do it? How are you going to do it? And he brought me the dream of Indiana Jones where Indiana Jones is trying to cross the chasm. Mm -hmm. Do you all know this scene? Mm -hmm. And he has to step out when there's nothing there. And the Lord was saying that Indiana Jones is stepping out on what he hopes is a bridge that's going to come. He goes, but when you step out on me, you step out on my glory. And there's a way of how much do you believe God? How much do you believe? Here's the question. Ouch. How much do you believe the character of God? How much do you believe the character of God? So when God says, I'm going to make a way, it's going to be a way that you step on his glory and he leads you someplace else. And something changed in me in that month. And here's the phrase that he kept telling me. Jenna, your whole life you've sung about trusting and obeying. But do you actually know what that means? So I'm just going to give you some, <clears throat> some phrases that he deposited in me, and I think he wants to deposit <coughs> in you as well, is that excuses equal resistance. That's not fun. Because we want to massage our excuses, and we want to explain away our behavior, but God's saying excuses equal resistance. Humble yourself before the Lord, and in due time he will lift you up. And so then the Lord brought me about um, this TED Talk by Steve Jobs about how to live your life before you die. I think God's so funny. Steve Jobs is still now dead, right? And so here are some nuggets that he said. You cannot connect the dots in the future. You can only connect the dots when you look back over your past. Because here I'm in this stage of my life, and I keep going, God, tell me what's coming. God, tell me what's going to happen. What about all those promises? God, what are you going to do? God, I thought you said, I thought you said, I thought you said. And the Lord's going, John, I just want you right here, right now. Right here, right now with me. Because you can't even handle it. So right here, right now. And so instead of trying to go, oh, 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 I want you to just step right here. And then I want you to look back. Because now you can see my hand connecting all these dots in ways that you never thought were, was possible. And the other two things that Steve Jobs said that was so powerful was stay hungry and stay foolish. Like childlike foolish, right? And I just thought that's so powerful in relationship with the Lord. Stay hungry for God and stay foolish like you're not so wise in God that you can't just allow your heart to be like a child and just enjoy him. So here's another question that the Lord gave for me this afternoon for you. Are you willing to have God change your life and change your paradigms? Are you actually willing to do that? <clears throat> are you actually willing to have God change your life and change your paradigms? And I was reminded um, about when we were at the retreat on uh, this couple weekends ago, I guess now. Um, someone was there and she got a revelation. I don't have her permission, so I'm not going to bust her. But she had um, she got this revelation that she had a stubborn spirit, a stubborn spirit. And it was like a counterfeit self. It's like a shell. And so she would deal with her life with this counterfeit shell, this stubborn spirit. And every time God asked her to do something, she'd complain or argue. Or every time that something wasn't going right, you know, you know exactly what I'm talking about, a stubborn spirit. We all do it. And so she said <clears throat> that the Lord told her, 
you don't need that anymore. This is just not who you are. It's like, you just don't need to carry that around anymore. And when she released that, I just went, and so we stopped in that moment, and we just released that stubborn spirit for whoever that might rest on. And that word has continued to come back. In fact, I just want to do that right now. Can we just do that? Just close your eyes. So God, I just pray over our own hearts for anybody that might be um, just stubborn before you, even in this moment. So will you just pray with me? Just repeat after me. Lord, I'm sorry for having a stubborn spirit and arguing with you every time you ask me to do something. I'm sorry that I think I know better. I'm sorry that I accuse you of wrong. I'm sorry that I doubt your goodness toward me. God, I just ask you to take this stubborn spirit far from me. I break all agreements, all assignments, any place that it's made its home. So um, now just ask the Lord to abyss yourself. So God, I just ask that you would give each one of us something in place. Give us something instead of that stubborn spirit. Holy Spirit, right now, would you just reveal to us what you want to give us instead? Mm. So if you'll write that down, whatever you got, the Lord's going to keep talking to you about that. The reason that this is so important, these are the phrases that God gave me this afternoon. Arguing is not obedience. Compliance is not devotion. When God calls us to trust and obey, it's out of a love place. And if you've been around children at all, you know that children can obey, and in their heart of hearts, they're just, I may be sitting on the outside, but I'm standing on the inside. And the Lord, he doesn't count that as devotion. That may work in your day-to-day life, but the Lord's looking for a heart that's yielded, that's in love, that's surrendered. That's what the Lord is taking each one of us to. That's what the Lord is taking each one of us to. Wherever you're sitting tonight, by the time the Lord is done with you, somewhere a month from now, six months from now, 25 years from now, somewhere in your life, we're going to come back to you and we're going to go, oh, their hearts are yielded to the Lord now because they're different. Because a yielded and devoted heart before the Lord just shows up different in the world. And so you can be confident that's his goal. And he's going to set your life up, whatever he has to do, until you get there. So arguing is not obedience. Compliance is not devotion. And when he says, trust and obey, because I know all his love is for me, I can live a radically different life. Because I know he loves me and that you know he loves you, you can be a different person with a different reality. And people say in today's circles, no one changes. And I say, you haven't met Jesus. Can I get an Amen. <coughs> Like, I don't know who's here that's over 40. Who's here over 40? What's your 20s look like? Do you look like you look in your 20s? (laughs) So people who say people don't change, they need to go talk to some old people. Amen? Can we say older? Older people. Older people. 
don't care about that stuff, right? <laughs> so when I say that surrender is a pinnacle foundation for overhaul, it's not that God's going, surrender. He's not doing that. His thumb's not on you. His hands are open. I got, I got everything you need. All my love is for you. In you, I find all I need. You're my breath. You're my life. So, um, the month of May was the month about the detour, and I told you about the three visions, about God showing me the transition in my own heart and my own life. The woman with the ointment that she poured, anointed Jesus' feet with her oil and her tears, and then moving to Lucy having the... The, vat, the flask of oil that she healed people. And then my friend who was pretending like um, she was working when she wasn't working, she got busted by her boss. And so when I had that vision, <clears throat> the Lord kept coming back, and I don't think I really hit this last time. When the Lord says that you're gonna do a detour, just check the posture of your heart. Because the Lord was asking me, Jenna, are you willing to do it my way? And I go, I thought I was doing it your way. He goes, I know. And I had a, a pastor, a man that I love. He's like my spiritual dad. And I'm calling him. I'm going, I kept saying this to him. I don't know what I did wrong. I don't know what I did wrong. It's like, I just don't know what I did wrong. I've been busting my ass for seven years. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what I did wrong. It's like everything has flatlined. And I'm just like this big fat failure. And I just don't know what I did wrong. And he said this. It was so funny. He goes, Jenna, the Lord is pleased at your attempts at obedience. So I just sit there. I'm going, I still sound wrong. Why do I still sound wrong? And the Lord just went, just take that and put that right here, and I'm going to bring you revelation about it. And so what happened is over the course of this year, the Lord started tweaking my ability to hear from him because my attempts at obedience were not perfect, I'd heard from the Lord. I thought I was trying to do it right. I thought some stuff was really bad. Some stuff wasn't. Some was good counsel. Some wasn't. Some was wrong timing. I was running ahead. Some I was dragging behind. And so the Lord is going, you were trying to love the Lord the best you knew now. The best you knew in that moment, you were trying to love the Lord. And now the Lord is going to give you an upgrade. The Lord's trying to show you something more about who you are. And about who he is. So a detour doesn't mean that you're not going somewhere with the Lord. It means he's got something else he wants to give you. That's a great question for you to ask the Lord. If we're taking a detour, where are we going? And the question comes right back to you. Are you willing to do it God's way? I want to remind you that the definition of insanity is if you keep doing what you've been doing, you'll keep getting what you've been getting. Doing the same thing and expecting different results. That's insanity. And so the Lord's going, are you willing to do it my way? I have no idea what time it is. Somebody tell me what time it is. 8.10. Okay. <clears throat> Another part of the detour uh, that I really missed <laughs> um, was the Lord um, really pressing me about people-pleasing. And I had another encounter with a bird, and I'm out in my backyard because I'm enjoying my margin, and I'm grumbling the whole time. Because the Lord's going, you're supposed to have this time, and you're still busy, busy, busy. So I would make myself go sit out in my chair. I would set a timer for 15 minutes going, 
Okay, God, what do you got to say? I know that sounds callous. I really love being with the Lord. But when you're mad and you're dried out, the place that you need to go is the last place you're going. Okay, what do you got? All right, I'm right here. What do you want? What do you want? And so the Lord is going, oh, look, there's a bird singing. And I'm going, oh, I can't even tell you what I said. The Lord can take me, but I don't know that you can take me. I'm going, all right, okay. And so, and I'm just so snarky. And I'm going, that's great. There's a bird singing. But guess what? There's nobody here. There's nobody there to sing that bird. Hear that bird singing. It's just me and you. And he goes, oh. He goes, that could be part of your problem. And I'm, I'm going, what? And he said to me, so finally he goes, Jenna, I hear that bird singing. And it brings me great joy. And if nobody heard you sing but me, would that be enough? And I'm going, no. No. <laughs> It's not enough. He's going, we'll work. We'll work on that. <laughs> so I think what God was showing, I don't think. I was saying to God, tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. I think a lot of us are in seasons. Tell me what to do. And the Lord's saying, I want to tell you who you are. Because once you know who you are, you're going to know what to do. And I was so busy being busy that I had forgotten. I either had forgotten or I didn't actually know who I was. And so God was very purposeful about that. So then I go to worship the next day. And the worship pastor, this is so funny because God is hilarious. He starts singing out this song. I'm going to sing my song like I am unashamed. I'm going to shout for joy at the mention of your name. I've come to worship. And then he then sings, I'm going to sing my song like no one else is listening. And I just went, really? Are you kidding me? <laughs> and the Lord just kept going, who are you singing for? And I would just like to ask you the same question. In the life that you're living, who are you singing for? I don't care what your profession is. I don't care what your hands do. But who are you singing for? Who's listening to your song? And who are you singing to? It's like, is it for us? Or is it for him? Because he's coming after our hearts. Oh, I'm going to share that so you guys don't think I'm crazy, but it's all right. So in that same worship session, no, I'm not. <clears throat> you know, one thing that was really important for me during the sabbatical was I consciously and purposely set up places in my life that had extended times of worship. And I don't know if this music that you hear on Tuesday night does anything for you. If it doesn't, it's okay. But you need to go find the music that stirs your spirit, and you need to sit in it. And you need to keep sitting in it until you experience the presence of God. Because I tell you, that the presence of God is what has changed my life. Not reading the Bible, which I love. Not going to church, which I love. But being somewhere and hearing from the Lord for myself has changed my life. And so I was in this time of worship, and I just felt this sense of, <clears throat> I had this vision of the Lord, and he was anointing my head, and he kissed me on the forehead, and then he started writing something, a name, on my forehead. And I said, oh, what's the, what's the name? What are you going to put on my name? Am I just going to put Jesus on my forehead? He goes, no, silly, that's my name. 
And I went, well, what's my name? And he goes, well, I'm going to put on here the name Beloved. And I said, what's the oil about? And he said, it's the oil of gladness because you've forgotten what it means to be full of joy. And something changed in my demeanor, in my spirit, way down deep. I still yelled at my kids the next day. I still had to go through all the functioning of life. But something started birthing in here. Something started thawing out. Something I had, you have to do something with a God that loves you like that. And it's not just beloved for me. Go read your scripture because he's constantly calling you beloved. He's constantly calling you the dove. He's constantly saying, you're the one. You're it. You're the one. So God is just constantly trying to go, I'm with you. I'm with you. Come back to me. I'm everything you need. Ah, let me see where I'm going to go to. So, I'm just going to complete with this one thing. The month of May, uh, the month of May, June was Dove's Eyes. <clears throat> so we've gone through surrender and detour, and everywhere was Dove's Eyes. And this is what this looked like, and this is so vulnerable. I just trust that God's going to do something with this seed. It was really hard to live through. It's even harder to talk about publicly, because at least before it was just me and Jesus, and now it's like, oh! So, the Lord shut down everything that I did. Everything that I did to get affection, acclaim, affirmation. Let me just shut down everything that I did. Because he wasn't going to let me get a fix. He wasn't going to let me get any kind of false fix. That was just him. It was just him. And so, he tells me at the beginning of the month that it's about Doug's eyes. And I'm going, I don't even know what that's about. And so, he would let me write very short, specific blogs and I could post those. So I would write them, and then I would post them on Facebook, and then here's what that looked like. I posted them, and then I would go back to see if anybody liked it. Did anybody like it? A few hours like, did anybody like it? Did anybody share it? And I would just keep going back to that. And the Lord goes, do you see this? And I'm going, no. <laughs> He's going, remember, you're singing for me. You're not singing for them. You're singing for me, and when you sing, other people may hear what you're singing, but you're not singing for anybody but me. So whatever it is you're gifting, translate with me. It's like whatever it is God's given you to do, it's for him. And the Lord started showing me that I want you to have dove's eyes. And so I went to my friend and I said, I'm such a junkie for affirmation. And I had no idea that I was such a junkie for affirmation. I just needed somebody to tell me that I was doing a good job. I needed it. I like that craving kind of nasty kind of need do you know what I mean that ugly kind of ugh. and I had no idea until the dust settled enough that I could see it and I told my friend I go God I just want to be one of those horses that you put blinders on so that they're not distracted I just want to do that and that's when the Lord said you don't need blinders you have dove's eyes I'm going to give you dove's eyes and I go I don't even know what that means dove's eyes so let me tell you what it means in scriptures doves do not have peripheral vision they cannot see. They can only see what they look at. So when the Lord says, dove's eyes, they make for life. They're a sign of purity. They're part of on the altar. They're the sign of intimacy. They're the sign of the Holy Spirit. So when the Lord says he's going to give you dove's eyes, he was trying to give me a deposit. He's trying to give you a deposit of single focus. 
I don't know why and how it is for you, but I'm going, if you're tired of living counterfeit Christianity, if you're tired of your life being the same year after year after year, it could be that we just need to plug in to something that's more real and something that's better. If you're tired and you're exhausted, it could be just because there's someone that's saying, pull on the strings of my heart because I long to be, I long to respond to you. And that's where those dove's eyes come in and I can do more, but that's all I'm going to say is the Lord started talking to me, so I've gone through exhaustion and surrender. I'm on a detour and I'm finally getting along with it. And the Lord starts talking about just devotion. In your life with God, in your inner man, in your inner woman, do you grab hold of that the very best thing that you could give the Lord is your heart of devotion? And you're going, I don't I don't even feel that way about God. It's okay. He's going to get you there. But I just want to lay it out for you. This is, I was made for you. I was made by you. That sums up the gospel. That sums up the gospel. You were made by him. You were made for him. Your sin broke that relationship. Jesus paid for that relationship. And now all that's left is for you guys to fall in love again. Because people who are in love change things. And you're going to find as many stories in this room, many, many stories in this room, we have failed relationships, marriages, sisters, brothers, friends, many failed relationships that make us want to hide and run and, you know, but the Lord's going, there is a life of devotion, a life of love. There is an identity of love that he's inviting you to find out about. And he's going to wreck everything in your life one way or another, until everything starts lining up. And I'm just asking you an invitation. Let's cooperate. Are you willing to let the Lord wreck your life if it means more of Him? That was something I didn't say last week. And I was talking to my friend. I felt like it was heavy. And here's what I found about the Lord. And I found it over and over again. Here, God, this is what I have and it sucks, and I don't even know what you're going to do with it, and I'm a mess, and, and he's going, oh, thank you so much. I love it. Thank you. I'll take that. And then he gives me an endless ocean. You know, girls, I have to grow like this when all the men are here, right? <laughs> He's so good. He's so good and he's so kind. There's my napkin, man. It's just, you can't, you can't get over the love that just wrecks you. You can't get over the love that will take away anything or refine whatever it takes for you to discover your heart in God. You can't get over this God that's relentless year after year after year. Come back, come back, come back. I love you. Don't go that way. Come back, come back, come back. He's wonderful. He's wonderful. So let me just pray for you, and then we're going to pray for one another. So God, I just thank you for, I just trust, God, that this release, I just speak intimacy. I declare it. I release it. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is no one like you, God. No, not one. That you see us and you love us completely, without reservation, unconditionally. 
not just last year, not just today, but into all eternity. And I don't know what to do with that. And I'm so grateful for hard times because they've just pressed me into your heart. And so I just pray for every woman and every man who's just against the wall, God, that they would find that they would just listen for the beating of your heart. God, I just see them just pressed against a wall, but it's actually you and that you would just envelop them. They would see you're right there. You're right there. God, help us sort it. Help us sort your truth from our feelings. Just lead us in the way everlasting for your namesake, God. Restore our souls. Just anoint us with the oil of gladness. Give us back our hearts, Lord. Wake us up. Thaw us out. And I thank you for that, Lord, in the name of Jesus and his strong name, by the power of the Spirit. Amen. So, will you guys just, um, just because I want us to always keep practicing, will you just go in groups of twos or threes and just pray blessing? Just pray blessing over each other. If you came with a one or two, then grab somebody that you don't know and start overlapping and just pray blessing for one another. All right, thanks.